Hello, everyone, and welcome to our new format, the podcast of Coffee and Capital. I'm Hal Carmine, President of Creative Wealth Management. Tristan Jacoby, Lead Financial Planner, Creative Wealth Management. And today we're going to be having a casual conversation about one of the hottest topics out there. The hottest. Bitcoin. What is it? How do you use it? Should you invest in it? Not only that, but cryptocurrency in general. There's there's tons out there. Bitcoin is just the main one, but we can cover a few today. Correct. Bitcoin is just a type of cryptocurrency. And Tristan, I don't think it'd be a good idea today if we dove into the technology behind uh, cryptocurrency and blockchain and how all of that works, because we do not have the vast amount of knowledge needed to go into that conversation. That's a deep rabbit hole. We can certainly have someone in if people are interested in that, but uh, that's not the topic or purpose of today. I think we need to look at what is cryptocurrency in general and why it's becoming so popular. So I guess the best thing to do would would be to find exactly what is currency. Cryptocurrency is just a type of currency. So if we break it down to the easiest thing, uh, way back in time, before there were U.S. dollars or any type of uh, currency by any country, if you had a trade, you could barter with someone to get whatever they did in their trade, their output. So, for example, let's say, hey, I'm a farmer and I produce food. Everyone needs food to eat. You're a carpenter. You build things. I need a house to live in. You come along and say, hey, I'll trade you building a house. I'll build this house for you if you give me a year's worth of food. We barter. That's essentially taking our currency, which is our skill or trade, and bartering or exchanging for my skill or trade. The issue comes in then if you have a trade or skill that I don't need as the farmer. How do you then get food from me uh, to feed your family? So let's say, let's take a wild example. Let's just say you build space shuttles way back then, way ahead of your time, Tristan. And you come to me and say, hey, I need to feed my family. You're a farmer. Um, What do I need to give you or what can I give you in exchange for food for a year? And I, the farmer, say, well, what's your skill? What's your trade? What, what do you do that I could use? And you say, I build space shuttles. Well, I would have no idea what a space shuttle's for, <laughs> so I would say, no, go. So to eliminate that or complete the bartering transaction, you need to give me something of value or something I perceive of value. And that's where you enter things like gold, silver. In Roman times, think of a Roman coin. They were exchanged for goods and services. That was their currency. Now, flash forward to today's time, our country, the U.S. dollar, you come to me and say, hey, I need food for a year, whether it's the farmer, the grocery store, or wherever, you exchange U.S. dollars for that good or transaction. That's how currency works. Bitcoin or cryptocurrency just takes that transaction online. If you come to me and say, hey, I have X amount of cryptocurrency or Bitcoin, and I'm willing to accept that as the farmer in trade for food, then I'm placing the value or full faith um, of that cryptocurrency per trade. I said right. that totally wrong, but that's okay. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm placing value on what you're giving me with right. that cryptocurrency. There's value attached to that cryptocurrency. So when we're on the topic of value, so how does the U.S. dollar, where is that value? generated from or 
why does it have value and, and how is that different from how cryptocurrency has value? That's a good question. So our dollar used to be valued and backed by gold up until 1971 or 72. I'd have to check that. Um, we were on the gold standard. You could always change, exchange a U.S. dollar for a specific amount of gold. We came off that gold system, 1971 or 1972, Richard Nixon was president at the time, took us off because they feared uh, foreign countries depleting our gold supply. At least that's what was determined at that time. <laughs> um, so now we're just baked, backed by the full faith of our government and full faith of people's confidence in that U.S. dollar, that it will continue to be the standard. Essentially, that comes down to our military might. An ability to defend our country, that our dollar is the standard. We have an unlimited supply of U.S. dollars. As you've seen in 2020 and 2021, we have pushed a lot of currency, in, of our currency, into the system in U.S. dollars. And by pushed, I mean either created uh, through low interest rates, um, any type of financial package pushed through Congress, we're continuing to print more dollars, so to speak. So the value of our dollars continue to decline, our purchasing power of that, every time a new dollar is created. Cryptocurrency, specifically Bitcoin, has a limited supply. And that supply for Bitcoin will only ever be 21 million Bitcoins. It's scheduled for years to come when that 21st millionth Bitcoin will be created and available. But there's an attraction to that from people because they know that no more will be printed and there's a finite supply okay. with that Bitcoin. So that's part of where the, well, Bitcoin specifically, but I guess cryptocurrency in general, similar in terms of how their values derive. So that's an advantage, right, Bitcoin, that there's a finite supply. There's only going to be a certain amount produced. What are some other advantages or really disadvantages of holding not only Bitcoin, but cryptocurrency in general? Another great question, Tristan. So let's take a step back and think about first in terms of the U.S. dollar and what we do with that, with our money that we currently accumulate. We either keep it at a bank, savings institution, or if it's invested, um, or it sits in our pocket. So let's say it sits in our pocket. The danger is that we could lose it. That's why we store it in the bank. We're trusting them to keep our money safe along with regulations. With Bitcoin... The attraction is, is that it's all digital, so you don't have to worry about losing physical coins in your pocket. It can be stored in an online wallet that is secure and that is anonymous. So any type of cryptocurrency transaction is meant to be peer-to-peer -peer and anonymous. And when I say peer-to-peer, -peer, is if you had a good or service that I wanted, let's say this coffee cup for instance, and I pull out a dollar and say, I'm willing to give you a dollar for that coffee cup and I give you that dollar, and I take that coffee cup. No one knows. That's it. Just you and me. It's a transaction. Bitcoin does that same thing, or cryptocurrency, but online. So they operate on a decentralized ledger system. Here I'm getting into some technology terms I don't want to dive deep into. So if you're a techie out there, uh, <laughs> please don't scold me too bad. Um, that it's all peer-to-peer, -peer, and there's a digital receipt that is anonymous on there. Bitcoin can be double spent, and you can't use the same coin uh, twice, meaning you purchase something and then pull it back and you still have that value. 
that's what that decentralized ledger, ledger or blockchain does okay. for that. Okay. Now in terms of security too, so this wallet, this digital wallet, right? There's different ways to store it, but how do you access your own wallet for, for cryptocurrency? Good, good question. So there's a couple different ways or a few different ways you can have an online wallet. There's many companies out there um, that can store your cryptocurrency for you and you have a key or password to get in and that's it. Um, one of the most popular ones is Coinbase, and I'm not endorsing them by any means, um, but they just had an initial public offering and went public on the stock exchange. So they're probably the most well-known, um, and that can either be held directly with Coinbase, or you can take it into what's called cold storage and have it in a wallet where it's just dormant and not being traded or used at all. So many online services to keep that safe, um, and then you can also have what's called a key or essentially a small hard drive wallet that stores your cryptocurrency that has a very long code to get into. Now, with that, it's safe, it's online, no one can access it through the internet. However, if you have a million dollars in cryptocurrency on a little card like this, a little hard drive or thumb drive, let's say, you put it in your pocket, that's the same danger as carrying around a million dollars of U.S. dollars in your pocket. Wouldn't feel too safe. Right. Uh, but there are advantages and disadvantages to that. Um, if you ever lose your key to get into that wallet, that money's gone forever. You can't access it. But on the other hand, nobody else can. You lose it, but nobody else can take it. So that's correct. No one else a weird can get advantage, access. but also kind of a disadvantage of it, I guess. Correct. The alternative to holding it online, um, recently there was the hack where on the oil pipeline, and the hackers demanded payment in cryptocurrency. Right, so specifically Bitcoin. Well, the FBI ended up confiscating some of that Bitcoin, and the headlines mostly read that the FBI got back a good portion, I think a hundred and some million dollars from um, from the heist in Bitcoin. They didn't hack Bitcoin and get that back. The hackers stored their Bitcoin on an online wallet in a rented cloud computer system or cloud storage. All the FBI did was confiscate that storage. They still cannot access that Bitcoin. So they just have computer hard drives, and that's it. That's their way of saying, hey, we took the Bitcoin back, and then nobody can access nobody it. Nobody can access it. That'd be the equivalent of them getting 120 um, U.S. dollars in ones and then burning it. Right. Oh, wow. So that stuff is extremely secure. So is this why criminals like Bitcoin, or where, you know, Criminals for the last 10, 15 years, it seems like that was who was using Bitcoin before it kind of came into the public notion over the last, what, year or two. Um, it seemed that all the headlines of using cryptocurrency before was for illegal, illicit transactions, you know, trafficking, all these terrible things. Um, tell me a little bit more about the illegal side of Bitcoin. So Bitcoin and cryptocurrency probably got most well-known from the criminal element of that, of the illegal use of that. Uh, because that world is unregulated, and we'll touch on that here in a second. But when Bitcoin first came out, its goal was to create this decentralized platform where we could have transactions with anyone in the world on a peer-to-peer -peer basis, where no one would know what I bought from you, and no one would know how much in exchange in cryptocurrency you received in terms of it being anonymous, who it was, what the good or service was. 
And the reason for that is whose business is it of what we buy or purchase? If you think about every transaction you do now, it's regulated, there's a record, and that data, well, that is the new oil, as you know, so that's being used to market to us. Different discussion, but that's the purpose there to that decentralized. So immediately what happened was criminals start to take advantage of that because it's harder and harder to launder dollars in this day and age. So they needed a new format to do it. So they were able to sell goods and services. The most popular website was Silk Road on the, on the dark web, if you've heard of that. Um, so they were able to exchange goods. Now, let's rewind and think about the criminal element in anything, okay? Uh, regulation will always dampen the effects of the new technology. So at US dollars, if you were to exchange US dollars for illegal goods and services, well, what do you do with those dollars? You've got to store them somewhere. Right. You eventually need to get them into the financial system to show them as legitimate sources. So that's what laundering money does. But now the government and regulators are so good at recognizing that, criminals are going to get creative. Right. So it's easier just to get the Bitcoin. It's an anonymous transaction for whatever illegal activity they're dealing in. And then they can just take that Bitcoin. Obviously, the value fluctuates, but they can take that Bitcoin, trade it for whatever local currency. There's there's not anything there to tell where that money came from at all. So Correct. it skips the effort part in the laundering process? Really? In a nutshell, yes. Yeah. Um, so you may say, well, okay, why not regulate it? Well, guess what? Criminals are pretty smart. People are going to find a way to come up with the next technology. So you'll never be able to legislate morality. They'll just move on to something else with that. So that brings up the question, you know, is regulation good or is regulation bad? If you think about the amount of regulation, taxes, every single thing you do right now, it's almost prohibitive. It's where the solution, solutions have become the problem because there's so many hoops to get through. Crypto and Bitcoin is the exact opposite of that with zero regulation, which is good from a freedom standpoint. But at the same time, when it gets into investing or the value of that cryptocurrency, it has the possibility to be manipulated in terms of the value or price. Uh, you know, you, you think about one person accumulate a vast amount of that specific cryptocurrency, all they have to do is sell a large block, drive that price down, wait, then rebuy it with other wealth that they have and can manipulate, manipulate the market. That's why certain governors or uh, restrictions and fail-safes are put into place in our equity or bond markets, our securities markets in the country and around the world today, um, specifically for that. However, you still hear about yearly price manipulations, um, where a few people have either sold or bought or influenced the stock or security to drive the price in either direction. Now, they're eventually caught, fined, and penalized however you want to see, but some see that as just the cost of doing business. I think there is a healthy balance between regulation, um, decentralized platforms where that transaction is anonymous. I just don't know what that is yet. It's above my pay grade. Right, who does? Because then you have, I think it's all, every country is trying to play that catch-up game with the regulation. You have the extremes like the Chinese just completely cracking down. And you know, there's other countries out there that just said no to Bitcoin. If you're caught, you're in serious trouble. And then we have the United States right now who we don't really know exactly what to do in terms of regulation. Obviously, there's problems with pump and dump and 
You know, you have Elon Musk getting on Saturday Night Live, influencing the price of multiple coins just by a what two-minute-long spiel on NBC. Um, but then on the flip side, you know, we have these massive exchanges like Coinbase that now have its IPO. Then you have Crypto.com, who's the one of the main sponsors of the UFC. So it's obviously definitely in the public space, and these not only state governments but federal government, right, have to play this this balancing game, right? don't want to rock the boat too much because there's obviously big dogs, big players in here that also have a say that are making money off of it. Um, and then on the flip side, you have that illegal activity that cannot be regulated that you're not inviting in, but you're leaving that door cracked, right? So that's that's the biggest kind of you know, balancing game with that. Okay, so... Let's get away from the criminal side and the big investor side. If I'm the average investor, you know, at what stage should I consider looking into Bitcoin or any other cryptocurrency to have in my portfolio? Is there anything I need to pay attention to before, or should I just go ahead and download an app and buy a thousand dollars worth? I would hold off and buy a thousand dollars worth. Um, you know, just to the point you made about how popular it is now and, and the sponsorship with the UFC and things of that nature. I mean, this world is coming to digital currency. We have digital currency essentially now, but it's with the U.S. dollar. I mean, you don't hold all your wealth in a safe or on your pocket or in your pocket. And if you log on to your bank's website, that's just protected by a very weak password, to be honest. And you can send money wherever you want. So you think about the security there and then crypto being the exact opposite in terms of security. How that's going to play out in the world in terms of countries having their own cryptocurrency or is this wave going to wipe out the need for that? Because everyone from me to you to someone in some far off country places value in that cryptocurrency, whatever it may be, if it's not the country's, then why do we need that country's currency? So it's coming. So how do we approach it? How do we invest in it? How do we utilize it? And should we? First, I would say for any money going in there now for investing, it has to have a very cautious approach. So foundation of financial planning, and you've heard us say this a zillion times, do you have six months adequate emergency liquid reserves sitting in bank accounts, savings accounts, and money markets? If you do, then do you have all your revolving debt paid off? Are you working and paying extra towards your mortgage to have it paid off before the normal time period or any mortgage at all. Third, are you maxing out your retirement plans at work that have at least a match in there? Fourth, are you investing above and beyond your retirement plans, emergency reserves, paying down debt into some type of non-IRA, additional liquid investment um, out there? All four of those are satisfied and you have stable income streams. Your budget's under control. And you're saving money, you're not spending more money than you're bringing in on a monthly basis. No huge upcoming expenses that you may need some of that income for extra savings. Then it's time to look at speculative investments. If you feel this is an arena you want to get into. Every dollar that you put in into this should be viewed as there's a possibility of 100% loss at this point. The reason I say that is not because I don't think cryptocurrency is coming in the future. The variable for it is regulation one stroke of the pen from our legislators and all its attractiveness is gone. Right. 
happen any day. Could happen any day. Now, they'll probably go and invent something different outside of that, yes. Um, but that that still is a very real, we'll say danger, but regulatory possibility. So expect or prepare for 100% loss. With that speculative investment, higher returns are always possible. I'm not saying that's going to happen. Um, but that's how you should approach investing in it. Be prepared to lose all of it. So just like if it were any other, you know, even a penny stock, right? Take care of the fundamentals, take care of the basics, and then whatever excess you have, almost almost play money, so to speak, that you're willing to lose it all, then take a chance. Okay, so if I'm the average investor, we talked about Coinbase, Crypto.com, there's these online exchanges. What are some other avenues to get access or exposure to Bitcoin? Assuming, right, we already took care of all these fundamentals, mm -hmm. is there any way for you and I to get access to Bitcoin without buying Bitcoin or Ethereum or any of these other cryptocurrencies? Ethereum. Ethereum. I pronounce it wrong every time, too. You can just call it E. <laughs> yeah, right? At this point. ETH. So, so yes. So, besides owning the coins um, directly uh, with either an exchange or a crypto wallet or whatever, you can, securities are starting to pop up in our country. So, when I say securities, I mean stocks or ETFs, exchange shared funds, index funds that will hold Bitcoin, Ethereum, and various other cryptocurrencies. The advantage to that for the average investor is you are going to add in the regulation of the SEC and some other regulatory bodies uh, on top of that investment firm who is doing that. And then you don't physically hold that cryptocurrency, you hold a stock or security that holds and invests. Much like if you were to invest in a real estate stock um, or any company, you're, you don't hold that physical investment. Okay. The disadvantage to that is that you can only trade that really during open market hours, 9.30 to 4 on trading days that aren't holidays and definitely not the weekends. Cryptocurrency directly is traded by the second. You see huge price fluctuations. So let's say it's a Saturday and you hold a cryptocurrency ETF, Grayscale, one of the most popular ones out there. I'm not endorsing them and saying you should own it and they're the best and the only one, but they're probably the most popular one in the news and, and certainly one of the first ones to market with it. If you want to sell that because crypto is taking a nosedive on a Saturday, better wait for market open, assuming Monday's not a holiday. There'll be intense selling pressure on that by the time trading hours open. So it makes it very difficult to mitigate risk that way or purchase if it was going the other way and rising. Um, but the advantage then is you do add in some oversight to that investment company and then you're putting your faith in the investment company, like say Grayscale, to make the correct decisions with which cryptocurrency to own and in what percentages on that. You will see more and more and more of these come to market as the years go on. Okay, so that gives me an idea of if I want to get access to it, but I don't want to buy directly, but there's pluses and minuses to right holding Bitcoin or Ethereum. Ethereum. Ethereum, there Ethereum. you go. They're going to have to come after me after this. Uh, or any of those. Or I can hold it in one of these mutual funds or ETFs, more that are popping up. So there's a couple different options or avenues. And just think of those ETFs just like, you know, should I have exposure to gold or precious metals? Do you own the gold? The danger is you've got to store it somewhere in a very safe spot. Or do you own an investment that owns precious metals and trades on them? 
real estate? Do you have the net worth to own physical real estate or do you want exposure to it, don't have the net worth or fundamentals done, but we're gonna go ahead and invest a portion of that into a security that buys and sells real estate. Um, same thing here with the crypto, but I would say the cryptocurrency being the more aggressive, speculative market of anything else that's out there gotcha. right now. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Right. I think that uh, we covered just about everything we could cover with cryptocurrency, right? The, the, for sure. The technology route, uh, that's uh, probably not the best route for us to go to try to explain the technology behind the, uh, the blockchain and, and whatnot with uh, mining. Way above my head. Uh, on that. I think the main thing that people need to understand is exactly what is cryptocurrency. And as we stated, it, it's, it's just currency in a digital form and it has its advantages and disadvantages on how it's run. People probably had the same discussion when we switched to the US dollar um, way back when, or any type of currency. This is just the technology that is behind it now. I think it has a little bit more implications in terms of the anonymous nature right. of it. Um, and for some, you know, in the digital world, it is scary, but everything's digital now yep. um, on that. So, yeah, it's a great discussion. Uh, any tech people out there that are listening to this and want to correct every single thing we said in regards to the technology, feel free. Be happy to take that criticism, but uh, hopefully we've explained to you uh, in layman's terms, especially for us. Right, right. The more we study it and we get into the technology, it almost gets more confusing. It almost does get more confusing. So I think that's why it's important we take a step back and look at it from a currency perspective, and then should we own any of it, and what exactly is its purpose uh, for that. So thank you for joining us, and we hope you're enjoying the new podcast format. We're going to try to make this as casual as possible and you will see probably our conversation lighten up as we go. Right. More of our personality come out. <laughs> we have uh, we have a great lineup of podcast upcoming. Right. Uh, the next one we're going to have in a couple weeks or less, uh, we're going to be talking about the local real estate market. What is happening with these prices? Inventory? Will it stay like this? Where is there opportunity? Should I own real estate? why the heck is my house appreciating at 30% a year and should I sell? So we'll tackle that with a special guest. And uh, also feel free to comment, write in, uh, let us know what you thought of everything on the new format. Biggest question I've been getting internally here from our team, are we going to dress casual for this? <laughs> so I feel very comfortable in the suit. I did take the tie off. You know, could do it in this way, but if anybody would be willing to see us in the polos, let us know. Throw a comment out there too. I'm the one pushing for the suits, so feel free to comment. All right, everybody, thanks for joining us. Tristan, thank you. Brittany, thanks for producing this, and uh, we'll see you soon.